Welcome to church this morning. How's everybody doing? Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah? Eat a lot of pie and, and have some good family time. Yeah, this is, uh, hey, as, we, as we're gathering for worship, I'm super excited because this is probably my favorite season. Um, we start Advent, we start putting up lights, and we start thinking about the light of the world that came on the scene after 400 years of silence. Jesus was born in a stable. And so we, we start thinking about the, this, this light that came into the world, that, to this Messiah that was promised for hundreds of years, and, and people waited and waited and waited. And, you know, we've, we're in this season of waiting, right? We're waiting for COVID to go away. We're waiting for things to get back to normal. But, the, guys, we, we've barely waited compared to the people who are waiting on the Messiah. They were waiting hundreds of years. And then he finally came. And so I want you guys to think about the, the worthiness of our Savior today, that he's worth waiting for. And we wait for his second coming, and, and we keep our eyes focused on him. And, and so as we go through this service, we're going to be singing some songs. We're going to be um, doing our first Advent video. And think upon Christ. Come to the table because he's inviting us uh, to this table. Let's read Psalm 100 as we start uh, to worship today. And uh, I'll invite you guys to stand with us and sing this doxology. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Let's sing to him. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come, we're gathered together to lift up your name, we're gathered to save you, to fall on your grace, hear the joyful sound of our offering, as the saints bow down, as the people sing. We will rise with you, lifted on your wings, and the world will see that our God saves, our God 
Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come. We're gathered together to lift up your name, to call on our Savior, to call on your grace. Hear the joyful sound of our offering as your saints bow down, as your people sing. We will rise with you, lifted on your wings, and the world will see that our God saves, our God saves, there is hope in your Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come. You can be seated. Well, good morning, Sunrise. I missed a week last week. We were gone for the marriage retreat, and I just feel like I've been gone for like a month. I don't know why, but... It's great to be back and be gathered together once again. Uh, we want to just draw your attention to a couple of announcements, things we're excited about. Uh, this is our We Are One Sunday, and that's because of the, the way the tables are set up the way they are. And during the service, we'll have a, a period of time in which you can kind of have some discussion around the tables. If you're at a table with just a couple of you, feel free to slide your chairs across and join another table. And we just want to celebrate community and encourage conversation and getting to know people, and that's kind of what these Sundays are about. Uh, this is the first Sunday of Advent, as Paul mentioned, and so we're going to begin celebrating that and talking about that, and we're excited about that possibility. This week, on Thursday evening and on Saturday morning, we're going to have two work days at the Sunrise Building. Um, we have our asbestos contractor is scheduled to be in to begin the abatement. Uh, right after the first of the year, and so we need to make sure we have everything off of the floor that we can have off of the floor to make their job easy, and so that'll be from 6 to 9 on Thursday evening and from 9 to 12 on Saturday, and if you can come or you're interested in what you should bring or whatever, you can contact Dewey, and his name or his number is in the bulletin. So, we're excited about the opportunity to worship together and just be together once again. And so let me have a, let's pray together and then we'll get back to worship. Father, your word says it's a good thing when people gather together. And we're grateful that you're in our midst. We're grateful, Father, for the promises that we have in you. Um, Lord, it's just a great thing to be able to, to converse and just celebrate the grace and mercy of, that you have bestowed upon us. We pray, Father, for our time this morning that it would be uh, bring honor and glory to you, that we would be encouraged as we visit with our brothers and sisters in Christ and just as we share the journey together with them. And so we just look forward to hearing from you, uh, looking forward to your spirit speaking to our hearts as we worship and as we turn our attention to your word. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.
Welcome to Advent, guys, and to my table. I love Advent. It is my favorite season. It's a season that is a come-as-you-are season. It's a little bit different than the, the glitter and the lights of Christmas. It's the season where we connect with our longing. We connect with our mourning. We connect with our joy as we look forward to that celebration of Jesus being made flesh. I think Advent has something special for us in 2020. Last March, my calendar was full. In this calendar in the hall, there was so much writing on it. I was ready for a season of busy. I was ready to go to every single soccer game that my senior son had. I was ready to watch my kids in every musical event. I was ready to do all the things. And then it stopped. There was nothing left on the calendar. And at first, there's a moment where you take a breath and it feels so good. The nothing. And then you want something, right? Like this nothing feels so empty and all of a sudden we weren't really doing very well as a family in the season of nothing. One of the things that changed for us is this table. Many nights this table sat empty or just Paul and I or just Paul and I and Sajace or just myself and Sajace because everybody was going so many directions. But then all of a sudden, all seven of us sat at this table every night. This table became a place where our kids were invited to come as they were. Come with their shattered dreams. Come with their questions, their why. Come with their joy. There were many nights of joy around this table, whether it was playing games or laughing at the craziest thing that had happened that day. This table didn't become a place of correction. It wasn't where we talked about who didn't do their chores or who didn't do their school or why were you treating your sibling like that? No, this was a place where we came together. It became our anchor at the end of the day where we connected with each other and, in, and enjoyed each other. Everyone was invited to come here just as they were. Advent is that for us this year in 2020. Advent means come. It is looking forward to the coming of Christ. It is a place that often we start clear at the beginning of the story when the Israelites are waiting, they're longing for their Messiah. And we can tap into that longing too. But today I want to start in Revelation where Christ has already been made flesh and he has lived his human life and he has lived where he invited people to tables all through the gospels. And now he has gone to be with the father, but guess what? He invites us to come yet again. If we go to the very last chapter in Revelation, we read this verse where it says, 
the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price. He's inviting all of us to come sit at this table with him. Come as you are. Come whether you're thirsty or satisfied. Come whether you're hungry or full. Isaiah says much of the same thing. It says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. That he who has no money stuck out to me. Because we've watched the economic downturn this year. But we're invited to come regardless. I want to invite you to something this Advent. I want to invite you to come to the table as you are thirsty, hungry, penniless. I want to invite you to come if you're mourning the loss of dreams, if you're mourning the loss of people important to you, if you're mourning the loss of normal. I want to invite you to come to this table if you are living at peace and joy. If this has sparked your creative energy and this shift and change has done something new in your life that you are celebrating, come to this table. We all get to come just as we are. And Jesus invites us to sit together and enjoy his presence. You are invited. Come. stood on the outside the outside looking in this is where grace begins we were hungry we were thirsty with nothing left to give oh the shape that we were in just when all hopes Love opened the door for us. He said, Come to the table. Come join the sinners who have been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior. Sit down and set free come to the table come meet 
this motley crew of misfits, these liars and these thieves. There is no one unwelcome here. So that sin and shame you've brought with you, and leave it at the door. Let mercy draw you near. He said, Come to the table. Come join the sinners who have been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior. Sit down and be set free. To the table, to the thief and to the doubter, to the hero and the coward, to the prisoner and the soldier, to the young and to the older, all who hunger, all who thirst, all the last and all the first, all the paupers and the princes, all who failed, you've been forgiven. All who dream and all who suffer, all who've loved and lost another, all who chained and all the free, all who follow, all who lead, anyone who's been let down, all the lost you have been found, all who've been labeled right or wrong, to everyone who hears this song, he said, come. To the table, come join the sinners who have been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior. Sit down and be set free. the battle you see the victory when all I see is the mountain you see the mountain move and as I walk through the shadow your love surrounds me There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I will fight on my knees, with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you, and every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. 
ask that you be with us today as we move forward through these troubling times because ultimately God remember we're here to give you worship and open our hearts to that open our hearts to the message open our hearts to you in Jesus name amen Come to the table. Seems an appropriate and a fitting way and a theme for us to consider during this Advent season. I was reading this morning and I get a, an email update, kind of a devotional email update from, a, from an organization. And, and there was a verse in that, in one of the articles that just really struck, struck me. And I want to share that with you and, because it's, it's very much where we are, and very much where we are as a society and, and just the concerns that we feel. It's in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, and it's a quote out of Isaiah chapter 9, which if you're familiar with Isaiah chapter 9, it's one of the, the chapters in the Old Testament that has a lot of the prophecies of the coming of, of Christ. It says, Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, 
the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Then verse 16, the people living in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of, of death, a light has dawned. And that 16th verse really stuck, stuck out to me as I was reading that. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. We're living in dark times. You don't. Ha you have to have been living in a in a cave somewhere to not realize the difference in in people's countenance and their just the way their attitudes and the way they go about life in these days. We're tired. People are tired. They're weary of all the coming and going and the news and all the, the churning in society and the political and all those things. And then when you add on top of it the, the uptick in COVID and the new things that are in light that have come because of that, people are tired. And there's just a darkness and a, and a deadness that we find in our society that, that, that we're subject to as well if we're not cognizant of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And then that last part of that verse on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And I couldn't help but think about that in the context of COVID. If there's not any question in your mind that people don't think about death, the last nine months has proved that. How many things, how many adjustments, how many changes have we had in society because of the possibility of death? to ourselves or to those around us. To those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And so as we begin this Advent season, there is just so much around us that appears dark. And, and, to, and to contribute to that on the physiological side of that, we're, we're entering into the six or eight weeks of, of the calendar year in which we have the least amount of light of any time during the year. And so the physical darkness is ominous as well as the darkness of our society. And so as we begin our series this morning, Come to the Table, there's a, a fight within each one of our hearts to not be sucked into the darkness. It's just, a, it's just hard as we're out and about with people to not get caught up in, the, in the, just the, the feeling of discouragement and darkness that we see around us. But in, yet in reality, as believers, we have a light that counters that darkness. That, that verse was given in the context of Christ's coming, His birth, His coming as a baby uh, to be the light of the world and to die for our sins on the cross. Those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And so it's our prayer for us as a church, that rather than allow the darkness of our current times to engulf our soul and our spirit, that we would be captivated anew by the reality of the light that's coming, that has come into the world. The significance of this time of year that we celebrate by putting lights in our homes and lights outside and decorating and bringing light to this dark time of year. May that be the theme that we take among ourselves as a body of believers and as individuals. 
We have the light. We know the light. We know the answer. We have the hope that we have because of Jesus that we can introduce into this dark time. Come to the table. Let's talk about the table for a little bit. How many times as we grew up in, in the homes in which we were in, did we hear that phrase? Come to the table. It's time to eat. Usually from mom, sometimes from grandma. Sometimes for the second or third time with an increasing intense tone to it. Family dinners, holidays. That invitation many times was met with different responses. Man, I'm starving. Finally, I'm ready to eat. Um, we're, we're playing. Do we have to come right now? Do we, do we have time to finish the game? I want to do one other thing. We're, we're, we don't want to come inside. It's nice outside. But at the end of that invitation, we had to all gather together, sit around the table, sit still and eat. As we became older, we found that that time around the table became more precious and significant. Time to visit and talk and enjoy. The ability to, to come and partake of the efforts of others on our behalf. The invitation to come was significant because of the benefits and the blessings that were going to come on the heels of that. Delicious food, conversation, humorous stories, those things, those memories that we have because we hearken to the invitation to come to the table. But the table in most of our homes is more than a mealtime fixture. I ran across a Facebook from uh, one of our own Sunrise people, uh, Lori Zumwalt, this week that I asked her if I could use because this, this, this sums up what the tables are in our homes. I've always felt that the table is the most important piece of furniture in our homes. It's a meeting place, a gathering ground, a source of sustenance and nourishment, festivity, safety, and satisfaction where we learn from and teach our children. The table, so many memories. And indeed that's true. As Christine mentioned in our first Advent video, the table in many of our homes, especially the homes that have, have, have younger kids still at home, has become uh, taken on a different role in these past months as we've had a lot more time to spend together than in previous times. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to look at the roles of the table in terms of family and ministry. Starting next week, we're going to look at three examples of how Jesus used gathering at a table for the purpose of ministry and the significance of that for each of us. And so this morning, I want to talk just very simply about the, the realities of the table. I mean, it's, it's one of those things I, I've been told at times that, that I have a really keen sense of the obvious. Well, I think that's a compliment. I'm not sure. But as I think about a table and, and what it really, I mean, it's nothing really but a piece of furniture. And yet the reality is in our homes and in terms of ministry, in terms of what it means to be invited to a table, it has significance. First of all, I see that the table is a place of provision, a place where our basic needs for food and drink are met. We gather at an invitation we either gather and are prepared and serve 
to others or we gather and are served by those who have prepared. We enjoy the bounty and the abundance of our society much different than many other places in the world. The verse that Christine referred to in Isaiah chapter 55 this morning I thought was significant. Come all you are thirsty, come to the waters, you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. As we were growing up, there was no exchange of money at the table. We came in, we sat down, we enjoyed the bounty that someone else had provided for us. And in that simple way, day after day, we learned our dependence upon others that ultimately grows to understanding our dependence upon our Heavenly Father. Those who provide for us meet our needs. The table is a place of provision. The second part of a table that I find interesting and fascinating that we don't often think about is the posture of a table. Have you ever thought about the realities of a table? First of all, when you come to a table, you sit down. Everybody sits down around a table. There's not some hovering above, there's not some seated at the feet, but everybody sits at the same level. The posture of a table is one of equalness and equality, not one greater, not one less significant. In Bible times, there was not chair, they didn't sit on chairs, but rather they reclined around a table in which they laid on a side and brought, propped themselves with, on an elbow and they ate with the other hand. The same thing is true. An equalness of stature as you sit around a table. The second thing that's significant about a table is the focus. The focus of everybody that is seated around a table is towards the center where it's easy to make eye contact. It's easy to focus your attention on the one that's speaking or the one that is, is, being, that is talking at, the, at, the, at a given time. So there's an equality about sitting at the table. There's an inward focus. It allows for easy conversation, easy to catch someone else's attention, easy to focus on somebody else's eyes, to see the expression on their face, the, the motions that they make with their hand as they talk. Compare that to, to sitting in an auditorium or sitting somewhere and where everyone is focused towards the front. A table's not like that. The attention is towards the center where we all can look together. I've been in several instances in, in the secular world in which I've been involved in negotiations. And the same thing is true. You sit around the table in that, in that particular case with people that, that have opposing or alternative views to yours. And the reality is that that inward focus as you can look at each other and visit even about things you don't agree with, that, that equality that we're all sitting at the same table, we're all equal, plays a big part in negotiations being successful. And so the posture of a table is significant, just the simple reality of the inward focus and the equality of position. Scripture gives us a couple illustrations of how the table is a place of protection. That there really is, even though it's not physically a place of protection, there's a place of emotional and spiritual protection. 
I thought, first of all, of the first Passover in Egypt as the families of Israel prepared for God's deliverance. And what did they do? They sat around the table enjoying a Passover meal together. And that table and that meal in this protection of that home that was covered with blood over the, over the doorpost, that table was a place of protection from God's judgment, from that which they all deserve, but God chose to protect them from. A place of protection gathered around the table. How many times as, as children do you recall either a storm passing by, a thunderstorm or something significant that was scary to us as kids and, and you'd gather, you'd huddle around the table where you could see mom and dad and you could see each other and, and, and there was chaos and lightning and thunder outside and yet the gathering around that table, you felt safe. You felt safe. Another instance in Scripture that I see the table being a place of protection, a story of, of David, King David, and his kindness to Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. If you recall the story, David became king, and the transition between he and, and Saul was not a good one. There was a lot of animosity between Saul, and yet David was best friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. And so when David became king... Most often, when there was a hostile change of authority between kings, the remaining family members of the former king were put to death to make sure that there was no possibility of, of revolt being and those seeking to follow the prior king's family as they ascended to the throne. And yet Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son, and David as a as a measure of kindness and mercy and protection, requested that he be allowed to eat at the king's table. He restored the possessions of Saul's family and Jonathan to Mephibosheth. And, and, I, and I love the, the language of, of David's invitation to him. Find this in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 7-11. through 11. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. And Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. David offered the protection and mercy to this young man that was, was also lame. I mean, he could be no physical help to David's court or David's house at all. And yet David's table, the king's table, became a place of protection and blessing to someone that didn't deserve it. This morning as part of our We Are One Sunday, we want to take a few moments and, and allow you to have some conversation around your table. Come to the table. It's interesting, we, we chose this theme for Advent weeks and weeks ago, and it wasn't until a couple weeks ago that we realized that our first Sunday together was a We Are One Sunday that we typically sit around tables. And I thought, how cool is that? 
just, just like I found oftentimes over the last several months before I ever get around to praying about something, God's already orchestrated it. And so my prayer is answered, not because I'm on time, but because God is on time. And so this morning, there's some questions on your table uh, that have to do with the table and its role in your home. And so I want to give you about 15 minutes or so to just around your table uh, talk through the realities of the table, um, how the role that it plays in your homes. Just want to use this as an opportunity to, to get to know those around you. And as I mentioned earlier, if there's only a couple of you at a table, scoot over with somebody else and join in and, and just talk about the table just for a few moments. And then we're going to come back together and I'm going to make a couple of comments about the invitation, the come to the table part. So let's actually uh, have the lights up so we can see each other across the table. And so this morning we gave you the opportunity to talk in church. How's that? The, new, the freedoms we have. I want to finish up this morning by talking about the last or the first part of that phrase, come to the table. And that really is the invitation part. There's a significance about being invited to come to a table. A table is a place of intimacy. It's a place of privacy, not just for anyone. I, I chuckled this week as I thought about how awkward would it be if, if somebody showed up at the door at dinner time and just came in unannounced and sat down at your dinner table, not being invited. That would be a little awkward, wouldn't it? And, and so in reality, our tables are, are a place of, that we invite those that we want. And the process of an invitation involves three things. It involves the inviting, but for the person that extends the invitation, it involves preparing and it involves serving. And so when someone invites us to join them for a meal or invites us to come to a table, in reality, it's a commitment, a commitment to not only ask us to come, but to prepare and to serve and make us their guests. I want to read for you a, a couple of parables that Jesus talked about in Luke chapter 14 as we close this morning that talk about the reality of a banquet. And the first one is one that is, is referred to as, as, a, as a prerequisite or a picture of what the wedding feast of the, of the Lamb will be at the end of the age. Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. And another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And still another, I got married so I can't come. Then the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and ordered his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you, what you have ordered has been done, but there's still more room. Then the master told his servants, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. 
I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. A parable is a picture of Jesus Christ coming to his own, the children of Israel, and inviting them to accept him as Messiah and King, to come to the banquet, to come to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And yet they each had excuses to not accept him, to not acknowledge his Messiahship, to not come, to not partake. And so the master sent out the invitation to all. That includes us as Gentiles to come to the table. And so I see in that the way that Jesus would have us treat our table or our banquet as it were and that is Jesus did not discriminate in terms of who he invited to partake in his table there's another quote that I ran across that is a this week that revolves around the table and it talks about those of us that have accepted Christ and we've accepted his invitation to the table one day all of us in Christ will sit around an enormous table exquisitely set with rich foods prepared in divine kitchens, no one will be left out. No one will be left alone. No one will be nameless. No one will be unknown. No one with nowhere to go. Finally, we will all be home. And I would encourage each of us during this Advent season to invite those around us to come to the table. Those that we know that don't know Christ, that are living in this season of darkness, in, a, in, the, in the time of death, in that that's passage of Matthew we referred to easily. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some of the people that Jesus ate with and some of the people that, that Jesus invited to dine with him. And they were those that were different from him, those that didn't agree with him. And yet, he invited them to come and spend time with him. Right now, in our society, we're living in a time of a lot of division and hurtfulness. And there's nothing that can unite us more as believers as well as a society than the message that we have during this Advent season. The coming of the Messiah. Because it's only as we share in common the reality of accepting Christ's birth and death and resurrection and becoming part of the kingdom of God that we can find unity. Because there's no unity apart from Jesus Christ. The other part of the Luke passage that I thought was significant is based on the way that this master, that Jesus invited those around him. Jesus said this to his disciples. When you give a luncheon, this is verses 12 through 14. When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, you may in, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. 
And I share that because when Jesus asked us to do that, that's precisely what he himself did. He didn't come to be born as a baby and die on a cross because of our worthiness, because of our richness, because of what we could add to his kingdom. In reality, we were the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and the sinful. And yet he invited us to his banquet to come to his table. And so I pray for each of us during this Advent season that we would do as Jesus did. And we would reach out to those that, that don't know the Savior. That we would reach out to those whose lot in life is different than ours. And we would make the invitation. Come to the table. Not only for a meal, but so that we can share the hope that we have in this season of the coming of Jesus Christ. Come to the table. Come to the table. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the message. And in reality, God, you are asking us to do nothing more than what you yourself did. You invited us. You prepared for us. And you served us. You sent Jesus to die in preparation so that we could be made right again with you. You sent Jesus to serve those around him, to wash the disciples' feet, to, in, in humility, become a man to show what godly humility is really all about. Father, would you break our hearts this Advent season for the needs of those around us that need an invitation to come to the table, not just to be physically fed, but rather to see the food that feeds the soul, the living water, and the bread of life. Father, may we reach out to those walking in darkness and share the light of life that you've put in each one of our hearts. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.